The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to Wilford Watch's podcast, an American podcast about professional wrestling. Today, we are coming to you live on YouTube um, once again uh, and recording for next release. Today, we have a couple of guests on board, which I'm very, very happy to have. They are the masters of the hashtag JSPL, uh, Josh Stu Prediction League. Um, they are Josh and Stu from Josh and Stu Wrestling Podcast. How's it going, guys? Hey, man. How you doing, man? Very well, thank you. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for hanging out. Uh, some quick hashtag markout mentions before we get into the episode today. Uh, to all the Patreon members who are supporting the show, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Um, we uh, have a great Patreon, lots of benefits, lots of shows, show with Luke, Omega Luke, um, early releases, early interviews, lots of really fun stuff. So check it out at patreon.com slash wolfordwatches for more. Um, also, a quick congratulations to Amy at Phoenix in JPW for winning our Wrestle Kingdom 13 Pick'em Contest that uh, myself and uh, Dan from at TNTF Podcast put on. Um, out of about 50 participants, Amy had only one incorrect answer for wrestle kingdom so she is going to get some really cool swag so big congrats to her uh josh and Stu, we have a wrestle kingdom that we're just coming over uh we had new year's dash i I, just on the surface did you guys have lots of fun watching it was this everything that you thought it was going to be yeah so i mean we had some sort of um Know, some sort of expectation from last year. Yeah. So it was. We were sort of expecting sort of like longer match, like long matches, good quality wrestling, and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, my, I, I pretty much was everything we expected. Really. Maybe I think more. so. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think as they were saying, uh, I mean, we've only this is our second ever Wrestle Kingdom, um, and they've been saying that this was one of the best cards they've had like in years, like all the way through. Um, so obviously there was a lot of hype and expectation. Um, I think delivered for the most part, I think. Yeah. It's an enjoyable show. I, yeah, I absolutely had a blast. Um, there were some discussions about some of the matches being kind of short, but, um, I did not really see that as a negative. I saw that as a positive, um, last year's and the years before seemed like it took, it it went by quickly, but it, it lasted a lot. A, long, a lot longer so having a shorter event was totally fine by me um the only minor critique i would say is that the jay white okada match could have lasted a few more minutes but that's a very very small critique um watching some of these matches on the replay which i got a chance to do um yesterday and this morning um it was fantastic these matches were told very very well uh, I think uh, some of the hype watching it very early in the morning could uh, you, you might be caught in the moment. So I would suggest if you have the chance uh, and you're listening to this to rewatch uh, some of the matches 
that you might have a second opinion and you might have a second opinion on them because it was um, really, really told well. But enough of that. We're going to get into the very first match. And this was an absolute belter of a match, a dream match. And it's Kota Ibushi, the never open weight champion, taking on Will Ospreay, the aerial assassin. And uh, spoiler alert, he is one half of the uh, Progress Tag Team Champions now, too. Swords of Sussex with Paul Robinson. Um, so, yeah, what, whatever you know about contracts, contracts are private. We don't know the real truth behind people's contracts because we have a, a dual Progress and IWGP, IWGP champion right now. So, um, Will Ospreay wins, beating Ibushi in 18 minutes. Uh, what were some of your reactions watching this match, uh, Josh and Stu? I think straight out of the gate, uh, especially for the first match, um, there was no like kind of slow build as you would like to warm the crowd. That they're just going straight into mm-hmm. it. Uh, they tend to hit their uh, their finishers, uh, dives to the outside. Um, Cameras were really impressive. Like, yeah, we just had the constant like they're trying to kick. He like done like. A- he countered it, and then he tried to hit like the like finishing moves, like power bombs, but they countered it again, again, again. Yeah, we just have fast pace, and every time they ended that sequence, I was like, I had smart yeah, it's like pace. everything, especially when this yeah. match was announced. I think because everyone, I think was everyone was sort of expecting with the build up to it because Osprey got injured, um, so it was I think the story of either like Tai Chi or Goto, um, and then obviously when Goto Bushi came to the picture, then that came became the possibility of. Osprey and Ibushi, and that's everyone got really excited for that, myself included. Um, ever since getting up, obviously, I knew of Will Ospreay before um, New Japan, uh, but I fell in love, especially with Kota Ibushi, when I started watching um, New Japan and learning the story of the Golden Lovers and then um, how he was booked for the G1. I think I've, every time I've seen him, he's not had a bad match, and exactly the same for Will Ospreay as well. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of expectations going in. Um, and yeah, it just spots the spots as moments you would um, you would expect. Um, as Stuart said before, you got your counters, you've got your step up in Seguris, you've got your moonsaults and your counters of moonsaults, including um, that dive to the outside and then catching him right in the chest. Um, some, some really lovely stuff. It was thrilling. They got off to a quick start, um, which I was very happy to see. Um, this is a match that I think both of these guys and most of the fans w- were waiting and dying to see finally. And this was the perfect stage. In the past few years, we've had the junior tag title match typically opening up the show. And that was typically the Young Buck spot. And uh, this year we went with the Never title, which looks yeah. to be more of a transitional kind of belt at this point. Or a belt that uh, moves people from... From, from different weights. The the way that it was kind of intended to be, which is fantastic. And to start it off with a dream match is, I think, the best way to uh, kick off a huge show like this. Um, and I loved the placement. I loved how it kicked off very quickly. It was fast-paced. It was just what we expected it to be. But then we even got a little bit more when you got things like the moments where Kota Ibushi got hung up in the Tree of Woe, upside down. Osprey showing his his real fighting spirit and his brutality, which he's brought and he's learned and he's and he's he's evolved into this new character. Uh, I remember when he was when he kind of came in through progress, he was a lot skinnier 
and, and he's really built up. He can he can really carry a match really special now. And he had Ibushi in that tr- tree of woe upside down. And he was violently slapping. And they were slapping back and forth. And yeah. that was just one of those special moments during the match that, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, we got a, a tremendous match. It was, it, was, it was everything I thought it would be. But I didn't expect the ending to be a death blow with a back of the forearm to the back of somebody's head. Uh, what did you guys think about that brutal, brutal finish? Um, I think to start with, especially that sequence with um, Osprey with the staying behind a boot sheet and then um, hitting with the kick. That's the second time he did it and he executed it absolutely perfectly. Koto Ibushi, like selling amazingly as well. Um, yeah, wasn't expecting that. That was the kind of move you would expect if there was something of, um, um, of like a heel turn, like frustrated they can't, um, they can't beat their opponent. But they were kind of on, they were, they were a match sort of, you know. Um, they were all kind of equal. So hitting that kind of move was certainly was a surprise. It looked great. The, um, the impact of it. The impact was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, someone, someone hitting on that was like how like like the impact of it was just really nice. Yeah. Like, Obviously, when we found out about um, it got a concussion, we were... Afterwards, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we felt a bit bad. But then it's, um, yeah. yeah, it was, um, it was. A, I, I think uh, when you, obviously, we watched it back. You know, yeah. Like, um, we watched it back, and like, it looked like it was a good way to end it. But at first, it was just like, oh, okay, that's going to end it that way. Yeah. yeah. I thought going, I thought, um, and the same, we were holding a little prediction game between our current champions, uh, just because against Omega Luke. Actually, and they both picked Koto Ibushi in. I, I thought it'd be Koto Ibushi as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Osprey winning was a nice little surprise as well. Yeah. Um, but I hope Koto's okay. Um, I like yeah. the point that you make that that it seemed like that was maybe a, a good way to 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 turn somebody into like a heel. But yeah, um, man, I hope that this was just a one-time occasion and he yeah, does not use that. Yeah, you know, working um you know kind of in this favor where he get he gets so frustrated like you're only a junior heavyweight you'll only be a junior and then he lands brutal strikes like that to win matches that could be a thing that he does that's terrifying to yeah <laughs> it's terrifying. Absolutely it terrifying could be a thing so long as he doesn't legitimately concuss him i, mean, I don't think like there's no doubt he, he, it was a complete accident the concussion but that might be another side of Osprey. Yeah, but just you weren't surprised when you when you heard about concussion. I think yeah. when you saw the hard hitting of Sunday Boots, like, yeah. you were just like, okay, that, I can understand when you get like, was it kicks to the back of the head? Yeah. Um, Kyle drivers. Yeah, on the back of the neck, you just like <laughs> some of their moves were just yeah, like look great, but did quit make you cringe like, oh god, they're not. Hope they're not yeah. hurt. But yeah, it was unusual to see Kotabushi bleeding. It was unusual to see him obviously leave the way he did. He's yeah. kind of this strange Terminator-like guy who never ages. Um, and he, he, he at, at one point in his career, not too long ago, he was throwing fireworks against his own chest on top of a car. He's <laughs> fighting guys in a, uh, in a circus theme park, um, a roller coaster area, fighting people in rooms. But uh, this was an ugly scene. I was really sad to see him kind of just dead, dead weight. Um, and since I never see the stretcher, I kind of thought that it was a work. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, 
But the net the next match was the junior tag match, which we just said typically would open the event. So this one was Los Ingobernables, Bushi and Shingo uh challenging Suzuki Goon, uh uh Kanemaru and Desperado, who were the champions essentially all year, completely underrated in my opinion. Um, and also in a three-way taking on Rapungi 3K, Show and Yo with Rocky Romero at the side. Uh, this was a very quick match, which yeah. I'm not too disappointed with. Um, uh, Bushi and Shingo win. They're the new junior tag champions. They pin Rocky, uh, Rocky's team of Rapungi 3K. So the champions did not get pinned. So obviously there's a, a there's already a a, um, a next match, a rematch uh, in the cards, probably at New Beginning. Um, it was a quick match. They got a lot done in that seven minutes. Um, it was good to see the interactions between Shingo and Sho. It seems like that's probably a never or intercontinental feud, probably in about three years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked how it finished. Uh, it was quick. I didn't mind it. Um, what did you guys think about the junior uh, tag title change? I think it was kind of... Um... Because it's so second on the card, I think everyone's just thinking about uh, still in the mindset of Ibushi and Osprey, and how do they follow that? How do you follow that? And I think it, it'd be very, very tough uh, to follow. That. I think it was entertaining again, like with all these matches, like technically, like nothing wrong with them, but wasn't I wasn't like emotionally drained or like tired at all from the first point. But I think having Ibushi and Osprey going first percent was a factor. Um, but there were some you know great moments. I particularly like the. Uh, the three-man German suplex with Sho on Shingo and yes. then Shingo as well. It was a lovely moment. Double somersaults from Sho and Yo as a do. They're kind of... I really enjoyed their match last year. They were very similar styles. Sho and Yo against the Young Bucks. Um, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, Kanemaru and Desperado showing that they're the heels like straight out of the block by attacking both <laughs> Shingo and Bushi at the beginning. Typical Suzuki Goon doing that. Yes. Yeah. I fell in love. I love you know. I mean, I fell in love, especially last year with uh, both Hiroko to and Minoru Suzuki in particular. Um, they had a fantastic match, even though like people aren't you know um, people don't like maybe like giving matches too much. But like the hair versus hair, I didn't know too much about it. But the way they told that story um, and how Minoru Suzuki like behaves in all his matches, I, it's joy to watch. Absolute joy. Um, it's a shame he was on the pre-show this year, but. Um, there we go. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Enjoyable match, I think. Yeah, very fast. Uh, not say fast paced, but certainly a quick match, for sure. Just very entertaining. Very entertaining. Yeah. Very entertaining. I, uh, about the Suzuki, I was kind of disappointed to see a couple of guys on the pre-show match. Yeah. Um, but that's the special thing about Wrestle Kingdom. It's very, very hard to make the card. Um, and, and that's a... Uh, most of it is due to just how deep the roster is and how good some people have been this year. Um, and some of it is just uh, there's there's not enough room. And they're not just going to obviously do the rumble um, every time because um, we got to switch up to the six-man gauntlet this year. So um, with the news that we saw just before it went on air, uh, we actually got word that they're going to have a two-day event. Uh, next year on the fourth and fifth. Now, there's not really too much, uh, too many details as far as if it's going to be a two-day Wrestle Kingdom, 
Is New Year's Dash going to be more of a big, big event now? Um, we're not really sure, but we are getting two nights of of events at the Tokyo Dome next year, which is crazy to to consider, um, especially in America and and people who watch WWE. We've never really seen a WrestleMania that we never even really conceived a WrestleMania going, you know, two days. Um, but I think with the success of NXT running, you know, Saturday nights and Friday nights the day before, I think they might be seeing that and say, well, we can do that. What do you guys think about having two, essentially, WrestleManias back to back? It would be, it's, I mean, again, it's another one of those things. It's a lot of, a lot of wrestling. Like it's, it's like was it if if like example if you're talking about like Western Kingdom like two in in the Tokyo Dome for two days, it's sort of like that's like what four hours of like four hours. So like maybe if you can yeah be like four hours each event. Yeah, so that's yeah. like eight hours of like two days <laughs> of wrestling. I mean we yeah. like I love wrestling, but that's that's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, yeah I think we were talking even with um you know, actually WrestleMania when they talked about potentially I think it was just to avoid the clash with like one of the super cards. Oh, I think it was really, the Ring of Honor. Yeah, fan, shifting yeah. NXT to the Friday night. Yes. Yeah. And they could do the Hall of Fame thing on the Saturday. Mm. It's yeah. it's a weird time in professional wrestling. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Well, the next match that we're going to get into was a match for the British Heavyweight Championship, which is a Rev Pro title. Um, Tomohiro Ishii came into the match as champion facing uh, Mr. Super Labor himself, Labor Party, Zack Sabre Jr. And he came out in the full white, which I was really psyched about. Um, he looked really nice and clean. He he had an exceptional match. Um, very quick match. Uh, it was about 12 minutes. I thought it was appropriately timed. Um, a little quick, but not that bad. I, I was happy with it. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Ishii with a ref with a move called and sit down for this one if you're listening. Is it? Uh, it wasn't orienteering napalm death, was it? It was not. He's titled it uh, a little differently. Well, it, what was it? And it goes like this: Hurrah! Another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. Where's that from? Oh, well, I know he he really fancies the Mighty Boosh and I, other other shows. Well, that's how he got the Napalm Death name. Yes. Um, so interesting, uh, interesting title of a move. He's obviously having a laugh, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. But it was it was a brutal match. It was a, a it was a fantastic clash of. A big, strong refrigerator versus a linky uh, Labor Party uh, technical wizard. Uh, I had lots of fun. I absolutely loved the match on the rewatch. I think it was perfect. It was a perfect match. Perfect timing. Perfect styles. And a great way to end it. And just uh, think about this. Zack Sabre Jr. is now the British heavyweight champion in RevPro. And he's got a match coming up with Pac. Mm. Which sounds mighty, mighty tasty at this point. Uh, what did you guys think about the match? Um, yeah, it's everything I expected. I expected the uh, clash of styles. Um, I think if 
people watching this and not seen it before, they just assume, oh, how is this lanky guy um, pinning down this this monster, this hard hitter? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you know Zack Sabre Jr., especially for the last year, if you look at his showing, particularly in the New Japan Cup, the uh, tapping out the likes of Naito Sonada and Tanahashi in one mm-hmm. tournament, um, and then almost beating Okada, you know, and having a very good showing in the G1 as well. So it just shows like he can, doesn't matter how big you are, it's all about that technical skill, you know. And it definitely came across that in that match. Yeah. It's like how many times he was hitting, like, was it like sort of like, what was it, like the arm bar, like sort of, or the other, we were yeah. hitting like arm bars, um, what was it, the Kokoa, was it the bit when you put the old Brock Lesnar thing? Oh, the Kamara. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. He was just doing everything he can to, like, what you do with a guy that's big and tall. You just yeah. try and take out his legs, take out his arms, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, like, if you put it a story perspective, like, yeah. in a sense, in the ring, it was dumb. But I was yeah. pretty happy with it. It was really good, I thought. So, what would you guys say to those who may not be fans of Zack Sabre Jr.? Because he wrestles very, very differently. Very yeah. traditional British kind of style. Uh, joint manipulation. And a lot of people either love him or hate him. Uh, what would you say to that? opinion because I, I i'm crazy i love it i think it's difficult to hate him too much i don't see why people hate him um maybe because he's not most conventional because of his you know he doesn't do super kicks he doesn't do moonsault and stuff um and that's what people expect we obviously but it's like about. it's the style that's just how he works you know but he, he does it to perfection yeah and he does perfection you know it's so dynamic he's always if he like even if it looks like he's like made a mistake, he always constantly adapts to how someone's moving. It's like watching a legitimate uh, wrestling match or a, does, uh, MMA kind of yeah, but it does have that old, whatever. It does have the old school wrestling feel to it. Yeah, in a sort of way that is um, when I think when it's sort of instead of like doing the flips or super kicks, he said it's like it's yeah. more just like what, what are you doing? Okay, you've got to try and um, try and take this guy out. So yeah. I take it as you do as you do like try and take the leg off and yeah. just like hit different kind of moves to try and swipe. Yeah, it's just old school. And I guess if you're not really into that, I can understand. Yeah, I don't understand why because it's really. I don't. Yeah. Because really yeah. so you watch a Zack Sabre Junior match, you know you're watching a Zack Sabre Junior match. It's like you know exactly what you you're going to get when you watch Ishii and Suzuki. You know they're going to elbow the crap out of each other. And that's well, you... really high praise to Zack Sabre Junior. That it's it's his style of match when you when you talk about him. It's it's um it was it was a very very good match. I had. Um, I would highly suggest people to rewatch some of these matches because um, I think it sh- shines light on how good of some of these matches are. Um, if maybe at first you didn't really know what was happening because it was just so quick, might have been your first time watching, um, it was exceptional. The next match is the Heavyweight Tag Championships, which is Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tangaloa, uh, defending against... Los Ingobernables de Japón, Sonata and Evil, and the Young Bucks. Uh, many people thought that the Young Bucks weren't really worthy of being in the match. They kind of uh, shrugged as to why they were in it. I think that um, their long, lengthy career kind of gave them that spot. They deserved a send-off. Um, yeah. Sonata and Evil uh, won the World Tag League, obviously deserving. Um, and uh, Tamatonga and Tangaloa have some new music that we got to hear. Uh, very, very good music. I actually liked it. And some new gear as well. Um, new gear. Yeah. yeah. Very cool masks going on. Um, so Sonata and Evil pick up the victory in a fairly quick match, 10 minutes, um, picking up the tag titles. And uh, 
I didn't know. I wasn't coming into this match expecting too much, personally. I did expect Sonata and Evil to win, but I just didn't see... I didn't see this being a stellar match. Um, Being placed kind of, what, the fifth match right in the middle of the card? Um, I don't know. It wasn't everything that I hoped. It was a great, it was a good match. It was a good match, I would say. Lots of fun interactions. Evil doing the long-running clothesline from the the ramp. Some great moves between the three teams. Um, What did you guys think about it? Um... I actually had the opinion that I thought um, uh, the Gorillas of Destiny were going to win the match, and then they'd uh, establish like Bullet Club as that, that being that much more dominant mm. faction. Obviously, they, they have done it later on in the card with you know Vishimori and and Jay White. Um, for yeah, I think it was the shortest. Was it the shortest match on the card? I think it was. Yeah, it was uh, like the second or third longest match, but it was pretty short for for a heavyweight tag title match. Um, yes. Um, I don't know. It kind of we were discussing about it earlier. It kind of reeked of um, not in a bad way. Uh, you know how WWE have you, you got your three best heavyweight uh, tag teams: the Usos, New Day, and the Bar. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I was I was certainly with this match. I was certainly expecting a bit more. I I understood yeah. the um, obviously the whole bad luck Farley, You know, getting involved. Um, as, as you would do, I mean, they just spent the entire G1 just ruining the whole thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Don't remind but, me of that. Yeah, which, which is great, but also, you know, it's the G1, it's a prestigious tournament, and you're yeah, having a really good match. Uh, and then they like, go ahead and ruin it. Is but, that um, the winner of like, the tag, like, usually the word tag league, usually, like, like, win it. Usually, like, when they win it, obviously they get an opportunity for the title. And they, yeah. I think, didn't they win, um, they normally do win the titles, normally. Uh, I, I'm not too sure about I that, don't, actually. I don't know the record or anything like that, but that's typically a case that that, that does change hands. It's not unheard of, um, which was like the main event. The G1 Climax um, winner has never won it, so that was a little different um, this year. But as far as the World Tag League trophies, that's not totally uncommon. But, um, yeah, you had a good point. Uh, so I, I feel like it was kind of lacking a little bit. I don't know if maybe it was because of the inclusion of three teams but uh i i enjoyed it it was good but i kind of hand waved this match a little bit so i'm more excited to see what tag teams are going to be in contention for this for this new year and hopefully we see some new tag teams in the mix um with young bucks departing of course um which is for sure and it's it, it like you said about the um about Bullet Club, yeah. it, it looked like they were going to really have a huge night. Yeah. But it started to turn at this si- at this at this time of the match, um, at this time of the card, it seemed to really shift to a Los Ingobernables, uh, Los yeah. swipe, uh, uh, yeah. clean sweep. And it was like, wow, they're going to be taking all the belts this, this evening. And that's when I started to think about that. And, yeah, Bullet Club got some key victories, but Los Ingobernables stole the night, took yeah. all the belts that they could, and I think that's a story that we're not really talking enough about because Jay White's really got everybody's attention, Tanahashi, Kenny. Um, so interesting to see where that takes us. Um, but for the next match, 
we had Cody Rhodes defending his U.S. title against Juice Robinson, a title that I don't think anybody ever wanted to see Cody hold. Um, I didn't really care for this title run one bit. Um, we did a prediction contest, um, yeah. and I think only about three people picked Cody to win. So yeah. nobody really, you know, this. So so this match was okay. When I saw the when I saw the buildup uh, with Brandy Rhodes being involved, saying that you're not going to hit me, you can't hit a woman or something like that, I immediately knew, oh, it's going to be one of those matches where it's going to be a lot of outside interference and i was kind of bummed about it but it wasn't a terrible match um surprised um match of how much uh, i'm not quite sure if i missed something but cody Rhodes being particularly very heelish you know like almost going back to his old ways as he was mm-hmm. to two years ago um i wasn't expecting to be that much of a heel. I know Juice Robinson's very popular, um, and he was a big underdog in the G1, um, saying we have his, uh, his arm injury. Um, but yeah, like Brandy, like interfering um, was very difficult. The way they set up, if they went to again, if you're looking at it with no context, like if you've not seen anything, um, it's very clear who the bad guy is, who the good guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you know what the what the story was kind of going in apart from the brandy you can't touch a woman kind of thing? Was there anything more to it? I think I've obviously missed something there. There wasn't too much put into this match. Um, also, I didn't really see that much into it. Um, what I saw more was post match or going into the finish. That's where, and I could be wrong or I could be reading between the lines too much, but that's where I said. You know, okay, on the first watch, I saw him hit the finisher, the pulp friction move. Yeah. He took a second and kind of soaked it in, and then he went for the pinfall, and he won. And he just stopped on his knees for a second and kind of just looked at Cody and was just kind of taking it in. Yeah. Now, on the rewatch, I saw that again, and I thought, to me, in my opinion, I saw that as a personal, a very personal, slight and very subtle personal jab that you think you're better than us and you're too big for the team and you're going to start your own team. And and that's the way I read into it. I could be wrong. And this is just my opinion, my opinion only, but the way that he took his time pinning him and really just soaking it in, I found that interesting. That that's all I could say. That would be, um, I know he hit it the once, but then he got up and hit him again. Did you not? He hit it twice. Yeah, I'm sure he did, didn't he? Um, so I can understand if he hits two of those pop frictions and leaves it a while. Like I can easily see that. I mean, um, I I get where you're coming from for sure. But if you're looking just yeah. in, in, uh, just in storyline terms of he's frustrated about uh, Cody and, and Brandy, so just getting that final. Uh, fu kind of moment, uh, hitting two pop fiction so yeah. regardless of whatever move it is, if it's two um, two high five flows, whether it's uh, two um, goyes, you know, mm-hmm. you hit two finishes. That's usually it. You know, that's definitely a secure that. Yeah, you've won, especially in um, like especially in New Japan. I think uh, apart from if there's like a 
really big moment, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. We're just we're so used to when we WWE how they do yeah. the finishes. Like you expect someone to kick out. Yeah. But I mean, for that for that match, I don't. I didn't come across that. Like when I just thought it was more like frustration that like it was when he won the belt. Uh, Juice Robinson it was like he was supposed to be his moment his moment and yeah. then Cody just came along in his first Titan Fest and took the belt from him yeah, yeah. and then and, sort of like and that could very well be the case as well um, because he had this title run during the G1 or right before the G1 and he had a broken hand essentially and yep. he ate a bunch of losses in the G1 and he lost the title right after the G1 so it was a disappointing U.S. title run for him the first time because he was hurt, obviously. Um, so I'm really, really excited and really fascinated to see if he really gets a really strong run this time around um, because I think he's very deserving of a really big match at MSG uh, in April. And I would, I would absolutely love to see him face a really marquee name. Um, I was kind of hoping for like a Juice Jericho match down the road, but Jericho. I'm not thinking Jericho is going to stick around, um, but nobody knows for sure, but it doesn't look uh, very good. <laughs> He's going to be around anymore. But we say this every year. Yeah, we never really know. And that's why we are fans and we are not uh, negotiating salaries for wrestlers. So he almost beat Naito in the G1. Yeah, uh, he he had he, a really good run, but he yeah. lost a lot of matches. He looked strong, but yeah, because of his injury. But if he if that injury wasn't a factor, he could have uh, won those matches. So whether it's something like against Naito, maybe if Naito wants to continue doing on um, like disrespecting the title when he had it, um, and then it's another step up for Juice Robinson if the US title like again doesn't work out again or I don't know um, there's a lot of potential for Juice Robinson for sure I really like really like him what he's doing yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of Juice Robinson um, and I was I think the last person to be on board with this with this gimmick because when he left NXT of course he was a jobber um, CJ Parker he was really a nobody on the card he got TV time he was good enough but he wasn't really a star and um, I'm a really big fan of him. It took me a long, long time to get on the bandwagon. But um, this past year has changed my mind. Um, so this past year, we also had a devastating injury to the junior heavyweight champion, Hiromu Takahashi. And because of that, we got a different timeline now. And that timeline consisted of a little tournament and a Kushida is the uh, junior champion. He came out uh, initially as like a seven-year-old, which I don't know what you guys thought about that. I was really hoping it, it was because I'm not quite sure what it was to begin with. I was like, that's not a dwarf, is it? That, that you know, if, if, that was West, if that was WWE, and that was Vincent Man, that probably would have been a dwarf if they did the Back to the Future thing. So I hope that it was. That's a good point. Yeah. Probably would have been Hornswoggle. Yeah. <laughs> A fat uh, <laughs> seven-year-old Kushida. Oh yeah, but I think that would, yeah, it just like I think it was like how realistic that like, the mask was. I just saw it like, like yeah. you know, like when you sort of just mm-hmm. it's off a bit. Yeah, but it, the entrance was really good. Like, the I thought I thought he was going to come out in the car, the Back to the Future car. Right. Well, they did that a few years back, yeah. and so I was kind of thinking that too. Um, but yeah, the, I think it was just the 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 how realistic. 
the mask was was terrifying. Oh yeah, uh, it's like you ripped off two folks. Like, <laughs> oh, God, what have you done to him? <laughs> I I would have been fine if the kid just came out. Like, you didn't have to look like him. Like, yeah. you got the costume already. You know, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a little creepy, but also cute at the same time. So it was very strange. Um, I liked it. I was happy with it. Um, it was a good talking point. But anytime you get more Taguchi um, is is a good time for me. I love the funky weapon. Um, so he fought Taiji Ishimori. And Taiji wins. It was 11 minutes. 11 minutes, 17 seconds. These two you knew were going to be putting on a classic match. I Some would say online that I saw some folks say it was a bit short, as they yeah. said every match. But it, it, what they did inside the 11 minutes on the rewatch, on the second time of watching, they really, really, really put together a superb wrestling match. And, and I think it just went perfectly. I think that... They did, in 11 and a half minutes, what uh, most other company pay-per-views are unable to do with an 11-minute match. Uh, it was superb. I, I love the moment whenever uh, Kushida hits a, a perfect Back to the Future, you know, Fisherman suplex, Cradle suplex. He went for the second one, which seemed to be the flaw in his thinking. Um, and then Taichi took advantage of that moment with the big mushroom stomp um, and then finished him off with this finishing maneuver. I thought this was a stellar match, regardless of the time. It was it was stellar. What did you guys think about this match? Yeah, um, as I've said before, like, n- um, none of these matches uh, were like... Uh, well, all these matches were like technical part of Masterclass. Um, there's a reason everyone's on this card. Um, for me, like the kind of... Uh, it's probably the match I don't remember the most, apart from that and the maybe the the uh, the junior tag belts. Yeah, uh, I think maybe it's because of how short it was, I guess. Um, and it did kind of end. I don't know what it kind of ended sort of abruptly, like for me, I think. Um, but you know, there were some really good moments. That the, I think the that kind of moment was uh, it was the kind of moment of comedy oh, where. Yeah. The rest. Um, Kushida manages to throw um, Ishimori's legs onto the referee, and the referee just doesn't know, know what to do uh, at all. Really, he's just he's, panicking. That is a typical Marty the ref. Uh, yeah, it's like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get involved. It's like um, that was the thing as well. Going back to um, sorry, just backtracking a little bit to yeah. the, uh, the the heavyweight tag team match, um, but the the refereeing he was. Who's the referee? He retired as well. Oh yeah, the one that's um, I don't Tiger, know. Tiger, Tiger Hattori. Tiger, yeah. that's the one. Yes, he um, he was getting involved with like the when they were setting up for the kind of Tower of Doom powerbomb uh, for that, and then also he was playing like trying to keep get everyone out of the ring, and then he, he just handed the kendo stick back. To... <laughs> no, <laughs> you, just, you just chuck it out. Yeah, it's just like get rid of it. I just it's fine, but it's like it's don't like... hand it back to the person who was it, going to use it. It was like he was being. Pl- <laughs> Sort of yeah. going like, um, oh, you forgot your yeah. plastic. Oh, well, I'll cheers. Like, man. you're going to rub a store. It's like, give me the gun. Like, no, don't do it again. <laughs> 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 yeah, but he's, um, he's retired now, so we'll, we'll let him. That's, fine. That's, why, <laughs> that's not why he retired. It's like, who gives the stick back? 
Oh anyway. wow! Yeah, um, Tiger Tori, um, his final Tokyo Dome match, uh, to- Tokyo Dome card. Um, a legendary referee. Um, it's obviously past his time. He and Marty, who was in the junior match, uh, Marty is always a clueless, clueless guy. So um, n- nothing new for me to see Marty really just screw everything up. He's definitely that type of referee. And something I forgot to mention, uh, during the RevPro heavyweight title match, uh, I saw a familiar referee, uh, referee Roberts from Progress and RevPro and... Uh, He's getting to ref at the Tokyo Dome. So that was very, very cool to see a, uh, a Brit Ress um, referee doing a match. And then the next night, today, at New Year's Dash, uh, refereeing at Cork and Hall, which is a very cool moment. So, not sure if you guys watch a lot of uh, British wrestling while you're over there. Do you watch a lot of Progress or Defiance? Well, or... We, should, we, we, we should watch it, but it's like anything. Because in Progress, you have to like, sign up for it. It's like... You can't sign up to like everything. Yeah. yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. but for progress, I think I follow we on our Instagram we do follow him, so it's sort of Yeah, like, we're kind of in the loop. Yeah. You're in the loop. Okay. <laughs> now Yeah. Someone who has been out of the loop lately um has been Kazuchika Okada. He is uh been playing with balloons lately. He's lost his bestie. Um yes. he's had a terrible second half of the season of the year. And uh, he took on his nemesis, Jay White. Uh, Switchblade Jay White is uh, a knife pervert. He is a uh, uh, Kiwi. He is uh, he steals best friends. He kills factions. And he also revives factions. Um, and he nearly won the G1 block. Um, what did you guys think about this match? I loved it. I think in terms of technicality, it's one of the better matches, I think. In terms of, there was like no fault in this match at all. And the story, I know um, the story. I like. the, the story, again, with, with Jay White, is that, that, side, uh, that kind of like sadistic kind of side to him where he joined Chaos um, just to kind of better himself. But he openly said, like, I'll just turn on you. Everyone that was at, around Wrestle Kingdom last year. Mm-hmm. I'll just turn on you. Like, just... It's like that's such a sadistic thing to do. It's like one day he will do, and <laughs> it's like, have they just completely forgotten about that? But Shit, obviously, how can you trust a guy that you exactly? Not, like, you can't. It's like he's going to betray you. It's like no, we'll get you out of the faction. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the story of Gato betraying Okada was a big deal. Um, yeah, that was it. Was one of the um, the stories which had one of the the longer bookings being obviously one of the main events as well. So it needed that. Yeah. Um, I was looking forward to this. This one was yeah. one of the matches I was looking forward to because yeah. it was just they built it. Was it was it uh, was it power struggle? Like that mm. bit with the tag team match, and then obviously the whole bit where they fought each other. Yeah, and all that stuff, and then it's sort of like the way that um, uh, was it kind of sort of got like the upper hand, and mm. Jay White was just like sort of like typical keel like bad guy just walks off saying, Live, "I'll fight you another time." Another time. And it's I don't know. It's just a simple. It was just a good like. It, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, I was invested a bit more in this one because it's just a simple yeah. story of a guy betraying you mm-hmm. and wants revenge. It uh, was a very special moment as uh, Okada came out with his short boys, his shorts on. That was uh, yeah. genuinely one of the loudest moments of the night. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, okay, so here's the thing with Jay. My two cents on Jay White is that yeah. a, a lot of people. Most people online will see Jay White and say he's kind of getting rushed. He's getting pushed into a spot very yeah. quickly. 
Yeah. And I would disagree with that because his first match back was with Tanahashi last year for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. So we got an instant notice. Um, I took it as an instant notice that this guy is for real. Gato sees huge things for Jay White. And we saw that play out throughout the year. He destroyed a faction. He revived a faction. He's got the two biggest names, Tanahashi and Okada, teaming up together to try to defeat him. He's he's taken Gato away from Okada. He nearly won his block, block A, in uh, the G1 Climax, which is a, a tremendous uh, accomplishment that he almost won. He's uh, now beaten Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. So I think, personally, he's being under undersold by a lot of the fans. I think that uh, it doesn't matter how old he is. He's that good. And he may not be Seth Rollins in the ring with the technical ability, but I think he, he shouldn't be as the type of character he is. He likes to get it dirty. He likes to go outside, get into the action. He likes to make it dirty. Um, that doesn't take away that he's a great wrestler. And I think that he's he, he's deserving of his place in contention for the heavyweight title. He's not, in my eyes, going to win the title at New Beginning or even MSG, but he's definitely in contention you don't put somebody over Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Clean as well. Clean. Okada's only 29 or 30. And this guy is 26. Came up through the dojo. Uh, Jay White is the real deal, man. And I think a lot of people are, are not, uh, they're not up with it yet. And they should really realize that this guy's going to be heavyweight contender for a while. Yeah. Now it's it's been established now as like um now you have beaten Okada, you know, like he's certainly up there. And obviously now leader of the leader and of leader the Bullet Club as well. So you don't you don't get a leader become the leader of like one one of the most known factions and then you're not gonna do something. And then lose, you know. Yeah, it's just I mean, Jake, I don't want you can't be that surprised because when I don't remember like when he I think I remember when he debuted. Yeah. He was always put up as his big deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sort of agreeing with you. With sort of um, when like, everyone's like surprised, he's being rushed. Not really. He's always been built as a big deal when he yeah. debuted. So it's just finally starting to finally pay off. Yeah. Especially when he's. Um, um, I can get why people go. You know, it's too rushed, too rushed. But as so long as he then shows development, which he certainly has, it. You just have to look at, especially not only his in-ring stuff, but also after he wins the matches in his press conferences, he's been absolutely killing it. Yeah. You know, and he goes and go, I told you exactly what I was going to do. I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I did it. Now I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that and then he did it. That's how you build up a, like a strong climb. Yeah. Because that's the problem sometimes. Like when you, you talk you talk big, yeah. you never back it up. And obviously yeah. he's got a big win against the Cardinals. He's like the like, walking spoilers. Like, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to betray you. He betrays you. I'm going to beat you and beat <laughs> you. You know. That's everything he says, and that's everything you need yeah, in a read with the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a very short title run this year, um, because the way that they've brought in Jay White is they they inserted him into the co-main event versus Tanahashi last year, 
which means that he's already transcended, you know, the U.S. title, the never title. Um, I mean, he did have a short U.S. title run, but he beat Kenny, so that's huge. And um, I just think that he's he's a lot higher on their levels of, of importance than, than people realize. Um, and I think that uh, 2019 is going to be – he's going to be very dominant – could be a yep. G1 uh, Climax winner, uh, maybe the youngest. I don't know what the history is, or but uh, he's definitely somebody I would not bet against. Um, would you be surprised if they had two um, also non-Japanese um, wrestlers in the final of the G1? Has that ever happened? I don't know about the history. I'm really not up to the history. I've been watching for about five to seven years, I think. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of other people that are much better with history. So I don't know, but I do know that uh, I think Kenny was the first, I want to say, to win the G1 being non-Japanese, yeah, uh, being a Gaijin. So I don't know. Um, who else would you put in that G1 final with Jay White if there are two finalists? Ooh, what I put in there? Um... I mean, you can always you can always drag this like put another story with this. You one. can always put in Okada yeah. again if you wanted. Um, Naito's up there. Um, I'd like to see Jericho in the G1. Well, that might... I, don't, I don't know if that's like a schedule. But it gets scheduled, but that would be great. Yeah. Jericho in the G1. But then that again, boys, like, I need to be in the G1. I'm the best in the world. I shouldn't have to have all these like, matches. And yeah. I, we talk about his character, but when it comes to his um, start, yeah. was it? Um, schedule i just don't think um no. he could be doing that kind of like level like that kind no. of like continuation unless he just won the g1 and then doesn't appear until wrestle kingdom just with his briefcase but doesn't defend it yeah i don't think I... Yeah. <laughs> I personally i don't i don't know him obviously but i don't think from my vantage point as a fan that he could really hack uh 30 days no. worth of stellar matches and getting beat up every day literally maybe. every day a it's, few years ago maybe but maybe yeah he's exceptional but there is a you know age is really uh, battling him so i think he can have five to five to ten good matches a year at this point but uh not a g1 i don't think but it would be hilarious maybe if yeah. we but, uh, uh, yeah, going back to uh, who I put in the final, Jay White, uh, Jay uh, White. Um, I, has he yet? I don't think he has had like a one-on-one match with Naito. So maybe that might be an option. That might be a fresh matchup we've not seen. That, that's all. that is my very far-out prediction right now. Is that yeah. we get that super super hot babyface Naito? Yeah. Um, who is probably I think would have dropped the Intercontinental Title at this point. Uh, by Dominion or so, and then he really kicks it into high gear, um, taking I think the G one with Jay White being a finalist. Um, but that that's good. That's a good idea. I think that those two would be a fantastic meeting, um, which is I think a good reason why they have Suzuki Goon and um, Los Ingobernables. And I was going at it right now because you're kind of keeping Bullet Club for later versus Lij because Chaos is nothing like they are before. Lij is definitely the top babyface faction in the, in the company, and they're going to play that up for the first part of the year. But I think in the next part of the year, we're going to see that Bullet Club versus Los 
really, really get into it um, big time. Old-fashioned um, faction warfare. Yeah. Faction. New Japan loves faction warfares, man. Um, so the next match was Tetsuya Naito, leader of Los Ingobernables, going up against Chris Jericho. Um, this was an absolute war. It was a no-DQ match, of course. Um, it went 22 and a half minutes. Notable moments would have to be Jericho um, being pile-driven onto the ramp early on in the match. That was devastating. Um, another moment, which you made a mention of before he went on air, uh, Naito was DDT'd into the Japanese table, which is like concrete, and it, it was absolutely spiked. Um, and the way he just held that position as well. <laughs> Like he just gone like almost sort of limp, you know. Top of the head, it was just like this proper like. Uh, just looks so good. Hopefully, I think he's obviously we're we'll head headed goals well. But yeah, it looked really that would good. be if Mara Ronella was uh, commentating. That'd be a Mamma Mia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he would have been saying Mamma Mia for at least like four hours worth of all that. Hopefully, he would lose his voice because he'll say it so. Um, there were some insane kendo stick uh hits i mean they were brutal chris jericho was not holding back naito was not holding back naito had a couple moments where he was lining it up for the big you know swing of the bat um which was a very cool moment um it was a fantastic match it was a brawl it was a street fight it was vicious it was brutal um it was everything i was hoping for um did you guys like it as much as I did? Well, when they announced it was a no DQ match, I thought, I thought it was going to be a no DQ match kind of anyway. Yeah, it kind of had yeah. to be. Yeah. Since return, like, yeah. came to New Japan, it's always been, I think, like, what is that, what, four big matches? So yeah. since, since he's, um, yeah, been, so like, he's had. Two of them have been no DQ, so it's sort of like, yeah. I think it suits his style or the way mm-hmm. he wants to perform in New Japan. Yeah. I think anyway. So I wasn't surprised with that, but it made the match way more um, worthy of the story you're trying to tell. Mm. This persona of Chris Jericho this year has been pure, like, late 70s NWA. I'm going to rough you up, and I'm going to spit on you. Like, it's been so nasty, and and it's been fantastic as he continues to keep evolving. And we could all strive to be like Jericho, to keep changing the game. It's because everyone's interested about what Jericho's going to do next. Did you see um, his post-fight kind of talk that he did? I haven't watched the post, uh, post-event post comments yet. But um, I'll say it now because it's very exciting that he uh, this is not the last you've seen of Jericho. He thinks he's good enough to have a shot at the ace. Well, yeah. that would be a... Uh almost a dream match that would be a classic match i think um yeah you need to get that in it would be great to see that match before both uh parties retire and to see them really near their top levels would be fantastic um i don't know where you would place it i would say if if tana re see i kind of think tanahashi and okada will be the the msg main event match that's what i'm thinking and most likely for the title. And I don't see Tanahashi holding the belts past Dominion or even MSG. 
So uh, it'd be interesting to see where that would fall into place. Um, and I think a lot of people online would also say, does he deserve it? Um, story-wise, maybe not, but he's Chris Jericho, and it would be an amazing match, and he does deserve it in a way. So, Yeah, I think the two matches I want to see Jericho in uh, for New Japan are Tanahashi and Okada. Because... Um, you could already mark it as you've got Ace versus Alpha and you've got the Rainmaker versus the Moneymaker. You know, that kind of writes itself. Yeah. Jericho can pretty much mm. uh, yeah. sell anything. Yeah. He just know he understands the business so well. He can yeah. He can make any match look, what was it, make it a must-see. Yes. That's how, that's how good he is. And he, he's got those those matches against the, the top four guys of New Japan, Kenny, Naito, yeah, well, it surprised him from a guy that just sort of said it felt like he was only going to come for one match. Yeah, I think I, I got and every time you saw interviews after Wrestle Kingdom last year, mm. you sort of felt that it was just that was it. Mm. Then all of a sudden he like just turned up, and you're just like, oh okay, he is the master of um, lots of version. Like just just when you think you know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Every time he says something, you have to believe the opposite. Um, so it, it's I, I think that he realized and it just goes to show how much freedom they give your your character in new japan pro wrestling you are really given a lot of leeway with with how you are developing your character and um you could see that and i think jericho realized i think that uh man i could really have some fun with this i don't really have lines that i have to say i don't really have parameters here i can do whatever i want and that was probably very fun for him at this stage in his career. He can kind of do whatever he wants, which letting Chris Jericho go like that is a beautiful thing for everybody involved. Um, but he's no longer champion. Naito is a champion. He tossed the belts in the air. He doesn't really care about the belt. The fans don't care either. Um, the The intense noise that was made for... Naito is is really special. Lij clean sweep taking all the belts, um, and then we get into the mat next match, the main event of Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom thirteen. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi G one Climax winner taking on the heavyweight champion Kenny Omega with the Young Bucks at his side. This was a spectacular spectacular wrestling match. Kenny Omega. Comes out with his Undertale uh, video entrance. He's got the gear. He's got the really cool green gear going. One wing angel. One wing angel. Yeah. You you can't get enough of Kenny Omega's entrances. They're very, very cool. Whether you like them or not, you have to admit. Tremendous entrance. Um, Tanahashi comes out. Added color in his tights. Added color in his hair. Um, These two started out slow. There was focus on Tanahashi focusing on the knee, which didn't last too long. Kenny then switched it up and was really, really focused on, I mean, laser focused on Tanahashi's back for a good period of time. Um, About 10 minutes into the match, Kenny Omega, uh, and at this point, Kenny Omega is is really acting like a dick. Like he's he's kicking him. He's pulling his hair multiple times. Uh, I think his facial expression is like, he's getting really cocky. Yeah. 
And uh, you got to see a little bit of an old Kenny style there. He had the gray hair, which uh, reminds a lot of people of the cleaner. Um, and around 10 minutes, he body slams Tanahashi over the rail on one of those very hard tables, even knocking Milano out of his seat. Um, that, that was vicious. Um, even the crowd gasped to see Milano fall over like that. So Milano formerly... Uh, professional wrestler, of course, now commentator. Um, they get back into it. Kenny continues to be just a dick. Um, he, he's he's messing with us. He's pretending to be face. He's really being a dick. Um, it's back and forth around 15 minutes or so um, after Kenny goes for a huge uh, so, uh, topa suicida over the top and misses. He flies about eight uh, eight feet away from and lands right on the ramp. A uh, really, really pivotal moment because Tanahashi gets back into it around the 13, 15 minute points. Um, the dragon screws start to come in. He uh, Tanahashi starts to really, really focus on the knee. Um, we see a Styles clash around 20 minutes, which was uh, a very cool moment. Uh, he, of course, really respects AJ Styles. Um, nicely, nicely teased as well. He had it in a position like, shall I, shan't I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he really ate it up, man. Um, then we see a high five flow attempt early, well, 20 minutes in, and Kenny gets his knees up at the last possible second. That's gorgeous. That looks it's amazing they yeah. hit the replay of that and you could hear the crowd seeing it on the replay and you could hear them just gasp because it looks yeah. so nasty um but that wasn't the last uh horrible rib spot we saw of the night um kenny then goes in for a v-trigger in the corner and he slams into the turnbuckle violently missing um table is outside so there's a table spot definitely coming you see Tanahashi hit an, a sling blade on the apron, which was nasty. Um, and then, at 25 minutes, was the most terrifying spot of the night for me. And it was the uh, high fly flow out of the t- ring from the top rope. And he misses, and he crashes through a hard Japanese table, does Tanahashi. And I shouted at five or whatever in the morning. I said, "Oh my god!" Uh, waking up my wife, and uh, <laughs> that was. That, is it Burma? No, Tanahashi. No. <laughs> she knew I was watching, so she just went back to sleep. But my god, um, <laughs> um, that was devastating. That was that was one of the moments of the night when I saw him do that. Um, they're not the biggest tables, uh, but the, in terms of density, they're so yeah. thick as well compared to WWE the ones. WWE yeah, ones. It's quite thin. It's easy. You can like, you can actually, it's easy to. I mean, it well. still hurts regardless of what table it is, but the, the thickness like that oh, it, had to hurt. It did look devastating, and you saw the table. Just yeah, like even like the even the chair shots, you can just tell they're like the stadium like chairs proper, just using those i think they're proper like i think pro- they're proper chairs they're proper chairs so they would hurt extra yeah. more i would say <laughs> more. that yeah the tables are very thick japanese wood yeah. if you've ever had like a bamboo utensil in your kitchen you know that it's pretty solid 
and it yeah. doesn't just snap apart. It's not plywood. Um, I really thought he might have broken his ribs at this point, man. Like the, the, those tables are really, really strong, steel enforced, and it just he just crushed the table. It was the things that he did for us was incredible. Um, Kenny obviously took control. He had a vicious double stomp to the back from the top rope. Um, he then hit Tanahashi with three power bombs, um, and he only got a two count. That was crazy. Um, yeah. Kenny then really ramps up his his very heel antics by starting to choke Tanahashi at one point. Um, they're going back and forth even more. We're getting 30 minutes into this, and Tokyo Dome is just shaking at this point. Everybody's going crazy. Um, there's one point when Kenny hit a German and Tana gets up first, and that was a tremendous fight back. We really got into... Uh, you know, the fighting spirit time of the match where things were really, they were on empty at this point and, and fueling off of the reserves. Um, Kenny starts hitting a collection of V-triggers. Like, he was pounding Tanahashi. Um, Tana then gets hit by Kenny with the reverse Frankensteiner, and then just moments later, Tanahashi hits a reverse Frankensteiner back on Kenny, yeah. Which was something I didn't expect. Um, and then finally, he does hit another high fly flow. Kenny kicked out at two. We still hadn't seen a one-wing wing, uh, one, uh, one wing angel at this point. We haven't seen any finishing maneuvers. Um, it looked like Kenny was going to start to take advantage, hitting more V-triggers. Dragon suplex from the top rope. Um, but it wasn't enough. Right around the 40-minute mark, finally... Another sling blade from Tanahashi, and he hit a third high fly flow, winning the championship in a stellar, superb, phenomenal, emotional roller coaster of a match. Um, what did you guys think about your second uh, Wrestle Kingdom main events um, in your lives? I think, and going back to uh, 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 what we were talking about about the matches being. Um, shorter um, that's not to like tire out the audience um, but I think I was more like uh, again I'm a big kind of Kenny Omega fan so um, I was really behind Kenny even though he was a heel uh, plus mm -hmm. you know all the speculation now like yeah. what does he do where does he go um, I was certainly much more invested in this match than I was say uh, the, the last year even though it was a Garda and Naito um, I think, again, knowing what the story was going in, uh, having followed the G1, um, yeah, I was much more emotionally invested than last year, for sure. Um, yeah, and I dig this match a lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, for me, it's like, um, I think it's like, it was, again, like, simple story again, we sort of like, he hasn't won, the Tayanashi hasn't won the title for a while. So it's like, um, it was sort of like an old, like, redemption, like, can he win it one last time? And then just like with the way Omar, uh, Kenny Omega was just sort of like, he, was, he said he was like getting cocky, he was getting like heelish, like trying to take him out. And just like, it was just, it was, I get him an emotional rollercoaster, it really was. And um, I was quite surprised, I think, in our predictions that some people put um, Kenny Omega to win this. Most people did, I think. Yeah, and I'm surprised. I was just thinking, well, it's, um, even if you know, you know, you know the rumours about Kenny Omega, it's even if you don't, the way that, if you're watching the match, the way it was going, he did like ten. Uh, he was gonna. Um, Omega wasn't gonna win this one. 
I, I didn't really? think. I didn't think anyway. I just just when when he didn't, I was. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Omega won this. Yeah, the white person won, and it was very won. even. Yeah, like a half hour into the match, it was it was very even. It got to a point where we really weren't sure, and and that's the beauty about a good professional wrestling match when you totally have no idea what's going to happen or who's going to win. Um, interesting. New Year's Dash happened earlier this morning, um, and there was no elite people anywhere, so that could be taken as a sign. Um, or it could be taken as a sign that they're either leaving or uh, they still have negotiations to take care of in the next couple days. Um, yeah. So who knows? Nobody knows for sure. Um, Find out on Tuesday, isn't it? Press conference or right, they're doing a press conference for All Elite Wrestling. Um, but just remember, guys, if you're listening to this, um, you you are not in the room with the with the contract negotiations. You're not Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer is not in the room. Um, so <laughs> take everything you read this next couple of days with a grain of salt, uh, cause you really don't know. Um, that's the fun in it. That's the fun in it. Um, but Josh and Stu, thank you very much for hanging out with me. Uh, tell us what you have coming up. Tell us about your prediction league, where we can find you, all that good jazz. So, uh, next round, uh, for the prediction games for fellow wrestling podcasts, uh, if you want to get involved, just drop us a tweet, drop us a DM, say you want to get involved. We will send you all the info. Uh, we have our first uh, British game of the of the year, Royal Rumble. And we've got a big kind of, we've got um, a league um, for all the point systems through, which will be running from, what was the first event? It was after... Summer, after, SummerSlam, wasn't it? Uh, we first originally started two years ago at last SummerSlam, which led on to WrestleMania. And then we started... Uh, like uh, the I think it's... Backlash was it Backlash was the first one? I think it was. You might be, so I think might we're going Backlash, straight. yeah. And then going straight through to WrestleMania. Um, so whoever's top of the league enters into a WrestleMania championship game, uh, and then we've got other types of qualifications. So we've even got two Rumble spots, uh, but the league will be like changing hand. Uh, the league uh, positions will be changing hands. So if you're in the top thirty, you get um, uh, that entrance spot. So if you're the first rank, you'll be entrant number thirty. If you're ranked uh, second, okay. Yeah, uh, but they'll be constantly being changed throughout the night, so you won't know until um, until after the show happens because we don't want people to. Well, I I don't particularly want uh, is to I want to watch the Royal Rumble but not have to worry about um, like where we are in the like prediction league. Just want to enjoy this <laughs> Royal yeah. Rumble because we hopefully because normally when it comes to like the big like WrestleMania yeah. Royal Rumble, we usually go to this place when we're in um, Brighton where we live near where we live um, mm. called Walkabout, and it's just based like a bar where like. You get tickets and you yeah. basically watch like wrestling with other people, nice. and um, that's uh, hosted by uh, Hooked On Events yeah, as well. Good, yeah, good. We've gone there for like the last two years now. Yeah, it's been great. And it's been it's been awesome, and it's just like when it comes to the prediction, we don't really want to be like no. not really want to be seeing Josh on his phone sitting there like yeah. totting everything. <laughs> it's like I'd quite like to enjoy everything, um, but yeah. So we've got a press conference coming up because um, we have a number of titles. We have our main title, GSPL title. We have a streak title as well we're also going to be introducing a tag tournament title as well which uh wilford is involved in with uh, last blogger standing yeah uh, we are also involved in with retro wrestling there are various other teams as well including omega loop royally rumbled um yeah. just because an irish whip there's the irish mob just to name a few yeah. so there's going to be a tournament uh, or league depending on how many numbers we get so we'll work uh, through yeah. that um yeah, there's 
Like you can join absolutely any time, yeah. and if you're if you look at the league table and think, oh, we're nowhere going to catch up, that's absolutely fine because after WrestleMania, everything is reset. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's it's one of those things where you just like you can t- mm. you can basically join at any time. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, it's just said um, if you want to join us, you can obviously do Twitter, yeah. um, Twitter, and also you can email us on our. Uh, uh, Gmail as well, if you want to. Yeah, um, so Twitter, yeah, Twitter handles uh, Josh and Stu Pod, and our Gmail is Josh and Stu Podcast at Gmail dot com. Fantastic, and uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm still getting used to uh, having a YouTube and having the presentation. My buddy Omega Luke is really killing it on his YouTube page um, with the graphics lately and the interviews. He's killing it, so I'm trying to catch up to him. So forgive me for not having your names under your your video today. Um, I totally forgot to do that, so I threw up your Twitter handle above the screen. So if you're watching this, uh, right? Yes, he's looking right at it. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, you can follow Josh and Stu. A very cool podcast. Uh, please listen to it. They have really cool press conferences. Um, uh, whenever they have the competitions, uh, which is a fascinating thing to hear podcasters throw a promo down. And uh, hopefully, myself and Last Blogger Standing will get to do something like that in the future. Shout out to the bloggers of the world. Print is not dead. Um, and things coming up in the near future for Wilford Watches are uh, we have TK Cooper coming on next week. Uh, fantastic British wrestler. Well, Kiwi British wrestler. Um, coming on next week. We also have Chuck Mambo in a couple weeks' time. Uh, we have Fights of the Roundtable coming up next week where we speak to somebody from United Kingdom, Portugal, Australia, and of course myself in the United States, so four countries, um, one conversation. Uh, We have author and senior writer at Bleacher Reports, Jonathan Snowden, who's trying to get back into Japanese wrestling. He's an old school wrestling fan, back in the internet wrestling forum message board days, uh, and an acclaimed author of a Ken Shamrock book as well. Um, So lots of things coming up. Hopefully you enjoy. Subscribe at Wilford Watches on Twitter or at Wilford Watches on any podcast uh, platform. And Josh and Sue, thank you very much for hanging out with me today. Uh, I had lots of fun hearing your thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 13. Likewise. Thank you for having us. Been good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.